Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. text is going to come from John chapter 15 verse 16 and you can follow along there as you uh, we continue in the series that Pastor Rife started greater so we've been in this series entitled greater and he's talking about our abiding how as we abide in Christ is going to give us the ability to have greater impact and influence in our community and who doesn't want to have influence right who doesn't, who doesn't want to be impactful in the things that we do? We don't want to just do things just because it's something good to do. We want to do the things that impact, the things that bring weight, that carry weight, right? The things that will bring glory to God. So as we increase in our relationship with him, that he so allows us to increase in our influence and in our relationship with others. And so we're talking about today, we're going to be talking about in this continuing in this series as greater. The whole idea is that we want to not just remain in a place where we've been, we want to multiply, right? Because everything about Christ is about multiplication, when he, when he had the two fish and the five loaves of bread, he multiplied it, right? So he multiplied the things that we give him as, he, as he, we give it back to him. He bless it, breaks it, and it, it multiplies. And so we're talking about uh, being chosen to bear fruit that remains. And as we, before, I want to give you kind of a backdrop of what we're going, we're going with this text today. Jesus was in a discourse with his disciples, a discourse is a discussion, a conversation. It is a dialogue. He was having a dialogue with his disciples. But this was not just any dialogue. He was having an intimate conversation with them. And in this conversation, it brought a level of impact and empowerment. He was telling them about the things that were to come. He was speaking of himself. He was saying to them, boys, I'm getting ready to leave this earth. And he was explaining to them, providing them with the tools and resources they needed to be able to carry out the assignment that he had started. He shared with them, he said, as I begin to leave this earth, and if you go back in John chapter 14, it says like this, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. So he was explaining to them that, look, I don't, because the weight of the conversation, it causes them to be in a place of sorrow. You ever had a, a conversation with somebody that was getting ready to leave, like I'm talking about leave the earth, depart, and they start talking to you about their will. They start talking to you about funeral preparations. They start talking to you about all these things that we don't really want to talk about, right? But he says, we've got to have a conversation about this because if I don't talk to you about it, then you're not going to be prepared when that time comes. And that time is coming. And so he begins to have this conversation with them. He provided them comfort and a compass concerning the crucifixion. He says, I'm getting ready to leave, but I don't want your heart to be troubled and I don't want your heart to be afraid. He says, because I'm going to prepare a place for you. 
That's John chapter 14, not 15. And he says, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come again and receive you as my own. Now, my first point here is that God is preparing us for the plans he has prepared for us. There are plans, there are purposes that God has specifically for you. And guess what? They're already prepared. He told his disciples, he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then he says, I'm going to come again and receive you unto my own. But while you're here, I'm preparing you for what I prepared for you. There are things that we desire right now that we have not yet received because we're not prepared for it yet. What does it mean to be prepared? It means to be made ready. It means to be made ready. There are things that God wants to give to us, but he, know, he knows if he gives it to us prematurely, then we in our immature state will sabotage it. Or if he gives it to us, right, we won't be able to keep it. And he says that I want you to have fruit that remains, that lasts. Come on. Make it last forever. I'm sorry, y'all. But he wants us to be able to have things that can last. Anybody can buy a house. Anybody. Nowadays, you have loopholes, right? You can do just about anything you want to do. Anybody can buy a car. Anybody can get married, so to speak. Anybody can have children. Even if you can't physically have children, you can adopt. There are things that you can do. But can you store well what God has given you? Can you not just get it, but can you keep it? And so he says that I am, I've already, I have this already laid out for you. It's so beautiful and I want to give it to you, but I can't give it to you in this premature state. So he says to his disciples, I've got to prepare you for what I prepared for you. And so that's what I want to uh, just really emphasize. I hope that you guys are getting it, that God has things prepared for us. But he's preparing us for those things. That's the pruning process, right? That's when he began to cut you back and cut those things back. Because he said in John 15 and 1, he said every tree that bear fruit, he purged it. He prunes it that it may bear or produce more fruit. So if you've been feeling like you've been cut on lately, God is just pruning you. He's just preparing you for what he has already prepared for you. Because, look, listen, one thing about the vine or the branch, I learned a little bit something in the pruning process. I'm not really a gardener or anything, but I learned a little something about that process, that if the, if the branch is not pruned, if it's not cut back, then it will grow upward and outward, making it difficult to maintain or manage. And so the vine dresser has to cut that branch. And I learned that it give it clean cuts. I didn't know that when you cut... A, a, a branch that it has wounds, but it has to cut the branch with clean scissors or whatever they use, and they have to give it clean cut so that the wounds won't be infected. The Bible says faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. If God is telling you the truth about your life, if God is telling you the truth about this, a situation, he just wants you to know that he's faithful to you being able to bear fruit. 
right? And so what I learned about that process is that the vine dresser, i.e., Jesus says that I am the vine dresser, right? I am the vine. My father is the husband man, which is the vine dresser. The vine never have to worry about pruning itself. The branch never has to worry about exerting the energy to make itself produce. All it has to do is submit to, submit to the vine. Submit to the vine dresser. And so if we submit to the vine dresser, come on. If we submit to the father who is the husband man, then fruit in our lives becomes automatic. Because the moment that vine begins to, begins to take all of the cuts that it needs to cut, when the process is over, it begins to bear more fruit, beautiful fruit. Come on. But as we begin to allow ourselves to submit to that process, then we don't have to worry about, am I going to be able to bear fruit in this area? Am I going to be able to produce in this area? That is not our concern. That's his concern. All we need to do is submit. So God is preparing us for the plans he has prepared for us. And then we're going to read John 15 and 16. It says in John 15 and 16, you got it? He says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask of the father in my name he may give it you and I love reading it this in the King James version I know that our our version here is a new living translation but if you look at that latter part I just love that and I know it says something different in the other translation so I'm not trying to take the scripture out of context but I just love the way it reads it said that he may give it you and that just goes along with the statement we just said that God is preparing us for the things that he has prepared for us. That God will be able to give you as a gift to that thing, right? You become a gift. He may give it you because he's going to give you, come on, the, the refurbished version of you. The revised version of you. Come on, the revamped version of you. Come on, the revision is always better than the original. So he's going to give, give that thing you because you've already been processed. And so as we look here at this particular text, again, I told you that Jesus was having a discourse with his disciples and it was written by John who called himself the beloved. And most people have something, they, they have a problem with John calling himself the beloved disciple, but I, I feel that way too sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, he, he loves me. But John called himself the beloved. Rightfully so, because he spent a lot of time at the bosom of Jesus. And anybody that spent any time with Jesus, he makes you feel love. The Bible says God is love. All of us can say that about ourselves, really. There's no need to get jealous, y'all. I'm serious. Everybody can say he loves me. But John had a unique relationship with Jesus. Everywhere that Jesus would go, John would go. He found himself in the bosom of Jesus. And so he called himself, he named himself the beloved disciple, the most loved. And so even in their discourse that he was having, that Jesus was having with the disciples, uh, John began to write out some of the things that Jesus said 
so that he can be able to share it for future, right? And so when we get here, he's, John is writing what Jesus says specifically verbatim. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And what exactly does that mean? He's saying that I am the source, I'm taking the weight off of you. And so many times we get anxious. We get stressed out. I've got to bear fruit. I've got to do this. I've got to say this right. I've got to do this right. He said, listen, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And listen, this is the purpose that I chose you. I chose you and I have ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit. And that your fruit should remain. It should last. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. He may give it. Just think about that for a moment. Think about that very thing that you've been praying for. And God said, I'm going to give it you. I'm not going to give it to you, but I'm going to give it you. I'm going to give it you. The revised version of you. The renewal of you, come on. The change you, come on. The one, the one, the, the, the side of you that have submitted to the process, I'm going to give it you. And so as we look a little further here, I told you before that when we submit to God's design, fruit is automatic. It's not hard because we're connected to the vine, right? In John 15 and 1, he says, I am the true vine. And my father is the husbandman, which means the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. But because you are in him, because you are connected to him, then you have the ability to produce. Every person in this room has the ability to produce. Every person. Now, when you talk about fruit, what exactly am I meaning when I say fruit? I'm just meaning results. Results in the area that you've been called to in your sphere of influence in your assignment and whatever God has called you to do in your family life and your home and your church, your ministry, whatever you are directly involved in. God is saying that you have the ability to produce fruit in those areas. And we know that a tree is known how by the fruit that it would. It bears, it produces. And I want to tell you something. The Lord said to me, he said, Erica, he said, I want you to tell them that until they come into the reality or come to terms that they have been chosen, then they're going to remain in the place of imitation and by default opt out of participation. What does that mean? You know that I've been chosen. You know that Pastor Rife has been chosen, Pastor Shea, the people on this front row, and some of the people that you engage with on a day-to-day basis, you know that they've been chosen. But do you know that you've been chosen? Do you know that you have been chosen? Do you know that there is an assignment, a specific purpose for your life? And he said that until you come to terms and to the reality that you have been chosen, you're going to remain in the place of imitation and by default opt out, meaning to select by being apathetic or not even concerned you're going to remain in a place of imitation and refuse to participate but when you on the other hand when you recognize that you have been chosen you understand that not only 
have I heard the invitation, but I've accepted the invitation. I've answered the call because I know that I've been chosen and I'm going to do my part by participating to the one who has chosen me. So God has chosen each and every last one of us for a specific purpose. What does it mean to be chosen? To be chosen for something means that I have been highly selected. I have been elected. I have been preferred. I have been qualified. I have been, been predestined for a specific task or purpose. Again, to be chosen means that I have been highly selected. I have been elected. I have been qualified. I have been predestined for a specific task, a purpose. And most of the people get into the place where they don't feel qualified for the task. Right? Somebody else can do this, not me. But God says, no, I'm talking about you. And see, the enemy has been fighting you in the area of your choosing. Because God says, I chose you. And the weight of the responsibility is really not on you. I'm just asking you to participate. All you have to do is partner with the reality that you have been chosen. And once you begin to partner with that reality, everything else becomes automatic. When we submit to God's design, fruit is automatic. What is design? Design is a purpose or intent held by an individual or group. In this case, God. Right? Is it, it is a purpose or intent held by an individual or group. In this case, God. Design can also be used as the word chosen. It's, God has chosen or designed you for a specific purpose or intent. See how we can put that in there? A purpose or intent held by an individual or group. It is a plan or pattern or protocol. A design is a plan a pattern or protocol, right? So it's something that God has already mapped out for our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says what? I know the plans that I have for you, or I know the thoughts that I have for you, right? So he has already predestined a plan for my life, for your life, for everyone's life in this room. And our job is to ask him about his plans. Here's another definition of design. Design, this is the verb. The other ones were nouns. To create, to fashion, to execute, or construct according to plan. So when we begin to make our plans, and they are contrary to God's plans, what happens? Those plans fall. They falter. The Bible says many are the plans of men. Right. But it is the plans of God that prevails. So if we're experiencing some level of friction, not the one that comes from the enemy where he's trying to stop you. But I'm talking about everything is not going. Everything is going left or it seems like nothing is going right. Maybe we need to go back to our designer and ask him, Lord, are my plans, your plans? Are we in alignment with the same thing? Is this what you want from my life? Because he says that when he designed our lives, right? When we submit ourselves to him, everything that we do, come on. It's not us having to put so much energy in it. He begins to work it out for us. We can do all things through Christ who strengthened us. Not through our own strength, but through Christ who strengthened us. So design means to create, to fashion, to execute or construct according to plan. 
And then I wanted to say this, that God chose, I told you that we can kind of use that word design interchangeably. God chose or designed us to bear fruit that remains. When I say fruit that remains, what does that mean? Fruit that lasts, that won't get stale or go bad. Because if you leave fruit out, if you don't, if you don't give fruit the proper attention, then that fruit can go bad. And one bad fruit, one, one bad apple can spoil a whole bunch. So we want to make sure that we give attention to the fruit that the Lord has given us to bear, that it may remain. And then I want to talk about some hindrance to living out God's design, a plan for our lives. What are, some, what are four hindrance that causes us not to be able to bear fruit or live out the design that God has for us? Do anyone, does anyone remember what design is? It is his what protocol, his pattern, his plan. So what are some of the hindrance to living out that design? Prioritizing the crowd over the core. What does that mean? Prioritizing the crowd over the core. Now, most people, when you hear that, you may think, well, I'm talking about uh, your core group. And that may be true. But no, I'm talking about your core values. I'm talking about your core beliefs. Value, your core values are your beliefs, the fundamental truths, the things that the Lord has given you, that how you live out your life. Every ministry, every organization, every individual should have core values. Like these are things that you believe. These are things that direct your course. This is your compass, so to speak, that you don't do things contrary to your core values. Right. So prioritizing the crowd over the core could mean I'm prioritizing culture over what my core is telling me. It's culture is saying go this way, but my core values is telling me something different. And because I want to fit in or because I want to be a part of the latest trend, then I go after what culture culture is saying in contrary to what my core is saying. I'll give you an example, and this is me being personal and transparent, but y'all are family, so y'all can handle it. Y'all get ready. This is juicy. <laughs> I'm serious. It really is. So I'm telling you guys, y'all know I'm single. I am single and, and holy. Single and holy. Get that now. But it was, oh, my God, this guy, he was so good looking. A few weeks ago... Oh, my God. I don't even Lord, Why you have me doing this? This is so embarrassing. But anyway, a few weeks ago, there was this guy that was so I'm telling you, he was drop dead gorgeous, like seriously. And I'm like, Lord, this man is breathtaking. But then I began to get my discerners up. I said, this man don't have any Holy Ghost. He's good looking, but I don't, I don't see any ounce of oil on his life. And the enemy... Can I preach? The enemy, oh my God. <laughs> he wanted to make me believe that I was called to be a missionary in the man's life. Ah! And I said to the Lord, <laughs> I said, my core began to speak to me for real. Because he begins to say some things that were truly like off. And I'm like, oh, no, I can't be his missionary, honey, because I'll become his mission. So I said to the Lord, I said, no, we're not doing this. My car says no. My car says no. Now, the enemy wanted me to feel guilty and say, well, you could have ministered to the man and brought him to church, not me. 
One water, one plant, God gives the increase. God sent those who are called. I don't even know how to say that right now. But God sent some people. <laughs> Y'all help me out. Get me out of this. <laughs> Come on. I'm not called to everybody. I certainly wasn't called to him because I knew that was straight from the devil. Seriously. And so my car told me, don't do that, Erica. You've been down this road before. Come on, you got too much going for you. You can't afford to fall at this stage in your life. See, there is a compass. When we have a car, we know there are certain things that we can't play with. Even when the enemy try to use the word against us. My car tells me no. And so I'm going to stay on the straight and narrow, and we're going to let Paul or James or somebody else minister to him. Come on. But not Erica. <laughs> so when we have, these are hindrance. These are things that can affect our ability to bear fruit. That man was good looking, I'm telling you. I mean, he was multicolors. <laughs> But I said, Lord, I love you more, and I love the people that you've given me more. So y'all give God praise. <laughs> we, we cannot prioritize the crowd over the core, what others are saying, based on uh, versus what God has already said to us, and then a lack of confidence. These are things that hinders our ability to live out God's design, a lack of confidence. What do you mean about a lack of confidence? Now, as my sisters can attest to this, my mom, one of the things that she really instilled, my mom had five girls, has five girls. One of the things that she instilled in us as little children is confidence. She always made us feel like we was the most beautiful child that walked the face of this earth. She never told us otherwise. She always, even the way she dressed us, like learning how to dress. I learned all of those things from my, my mom. I learned how, about my appearance, how to care about myself, how to carry myself in the presence of other people. My mom taught me all of those things. Yeah, give God some praise for her. And so a lack of confidence hinders us living out God's design. And out of all of my mom have done, one of the things my mom could not do, she gave me confidence, but she could not give me confidence. And there's a difference between the two. Come on. Confidence is when you're concerned about those natural things, those natural elements, those natural things that people see. But confidence is something that comes from within. And guess what? Here's a play on word. The word confidence Confide. C-O-M is the root word. C-O-N-F-I-D. It is your ability to confide with the Father over and over and over again. And when you continue to confide in him, then he begins to impart confidence in you. That you can believe in yourself and you can believe in your God. That I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I may not be enough, but he makes up the difference. So confidence is what I'm asking that we begin to partner with confidence because things may change in your natural appearance. And I heard someone say that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I'm out here, y'all. So y'all just bear with me. Y'all family, y'all carry me on through, right? But there are things about our natural body that may change. Y'all know the law of gravity. What goes up must come down. <laughs> And when you get married, you know you start gaining that happy weight. <laughs> so things change about your body structure, right? 
But there is an internal, there is an inter about your spirit, your spirit. God, that's what God looks at. The Bible said man looks at the heart. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. And as we begin to spend time in his presence, he begins to feed our spirit. He impart himself in us. As we begin to gaze upon him, we become more like him. And he imparts in us God for this. That you come out like Peter and James and John with boldness. And the Bible says they knew that these were unlearned, uneducated men. But when they had heard and saw the boldness of Peter and John, they said that they knew that these men had been with Jesus. I want that testimony that somebody can say, I know she's been with Jesus. I know that she's been with Jesus. I know that he's been with Jesus because the type of confidence that they carry, that they, could, they believe that they can do anything. And they can overcome anything, but that only comes from spending time in his presence. So we've been chosen to bear fruit that remains. And here's the next one. Another hindrance from us being able to live out God's design is ignoring roots that produce undesired fruit. Ignoring roots that produces undesired fruit. We can only ignore something for so long, right? We can only ignore the fact that we're always getting angry. Always, whatever it is that thing is, only God knows. We can only ignore that, but there is a root to that. And one of the things that I've learned that anger is not a primary emotion, it's a secondary emotion. Underneath anger, there's, there could be fear, there could be hurt, all of these other different things. And I'm talking about anger, but you can look at your own life. What is it that there, you've not really, you've ignored, you see the fruit and you keep plucking at the fruit. But the fruit keep growing because the root is still there. And it will continue to grow until we begin to uproot it from where its, its source is. And so even Jesus with the fig tree, the Bible talks about how he cut, he cursed it at the root. And so we have got to understand that whatever the fruit is, is speaking to a root. We've got to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what is the root of this. Why am I constantly in this same cycle? Why am I addicted to this? Right? Can we just be honest? Why am I addicted to this? Why do I like this particular thing? Why am I attracted to that? You know? So we have to ask ourselves those questions. And we have to also allow Holy Spirit to talk back to us. And until we, until we deal with the root, then the fruit is going to continue to come back every season. It's going to be a pattern, a repeated process. So another hindrance, number four, is lacking God's presence and power. And I talked about that before, that the Bible says that in his presence, there is fullness of joy, right? And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So just imagine the flip side of that scripture. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. What happens when we're outside of his presence? There is no fullness of joy. There's no pleasure at his right hand forevermore. So it is important to know that his presence is not just a place. It is a person. The person of Holy Spirit. Just being intentional about spending time with him. Spending time to get to know who he is and how he loves us and how he sees us. Because we've been chosen to bear fruit that remains.
I said before that God chose, he designed us to bear fruit that remains, that lasts, that continues forever. That will live out a lifetime. And here are some ways that we can activate that word as we increase our word intake then this is going to help us to be able to be connected with the word of being a bearing fruit that remains. Remember, the weight is not on us. The weight is on God. He's the one that's exerting all the energy. He's doing everything. All we need to do is partner with him. And in our partnership, these are some things that we can do. We can increase our word intake. Think quality over quantity, not how many hours you spend in the word, but how much are you getting from the word? We read the word to feed, right? We're feeding our spirit. So not how many chapters you can read a day, but how many chapters are getting into you? How much can you apply that word that you're reading? And then number two, we can ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his design for our life. Like each of us have a specific design for our life, a specific pattern for our life. Lord, what is my design? How have you chosen me? How have you called me? How have you equipped me? Who am I called to? Who are my people? Who's my audience? What am I chosen to do at Destiny, right? Or what am I chosen to do to support leadership? What what are you saying to me? So we need to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal his design for our life. And then number three, we need to engage in an intimate time with the Lord. And that's what I stated before about spending time in his presence.